my name is Ryan Stacy, and welcome to the Hockey Minds Podcast. This podcast is powered by My Hockey Resource and Instat, the leader in video and data analysis. Instat Hockey supports all levels of our game worldwide with video breakdowns and or scouting services. For more information, visit Instat on the web at instatsport.com or on Twitter at Instat Hockey. Today I'm joined by Mitch Gear, assistant coach with Concordia University and video coach with Torpedo of the KHL. As mentioned in our last episode, Mitch is an outgoing hockey mind and presents himself very well on a number of public resources. As open as he is, there is still a lot to his story that many people have not yet got the chance to hear about, and bringing that story to the forefront really excites me in releasing this episode today. Without further ado, I'm happy to present Mitch Shagir, assistant coach with Concordia University and video coach with Torpedo of the KHL. Today we're joined by Mitch Shagir, assistant coach with Concordia and video coach with Torpedo of the KHL. Mitch, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Thanks to you, Ryan. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm really excited to have you on and I've seen a lot of your content, uh, you know, through different outlets and on social media and things like that. So it's exciting to finally get you on the podcast and share your story. So how about you just tell people about yourself, including where you're from, and then what is your involvement in sports, you know, throughout your youth? So I'm Mitch. Uh, you probably know me because on Twitter, uh, for most of you, I'm 35-year-old, uh, father, father of four kids. So we have three daughters and one son, uh, 12, 10, and four-year-olds for the daughters, and a little boy with three-year-olds three-year-old sorry uh basically played hockey when i was younger uh, like everyone i was dreaming to be a nhl hockey player uh i've learned really quick that i was probably not the best one or i could not make the nhl didn't have my chance i guess uh played triple uh i should say not triple a because back in the days triple a doesn't exist but like i played peewee band and midget uh went to some junior camp and just stopped playing because i was a little bit tired of playing and I just start working. Um, so I start working in construction. I was doing bathrooms and towels. Um, and from there, I just started my own company. So everything was good. Everything was fine. And for people that uh, work in construction and they have their own company, uh, we make a lot of money. So like everything went well. And one day um, I started playing hockey in senior because they were looking for coaches and uh, players, sorry. And I just started playing there and got injured uh, on my left legs, could not play for a year. And this is how I get involved in coaching. They asking me if I wanted to be the coach because they, we didn't have anyone, like we're adult and we, we don't want coaches, but I was sticking around with them. Um, stay, with the, stay, uh, stay with the team, try to coach them, best as I could never being behind a bench uh, before and we went pretty well the two years we lost in the final and the third year I've received a call it was midsummer, and it was an, a, for, an old coach like I think he coached me when I was like 12 year old and he said hey Mitch I've learned I've heard that you you start coaching I was like yeah if you can call that coaching yes it's I'm coaching. He said, we're, we're looking to add a coach at the, at the school and uh, it's going to be a kind of a full-time job, not getting paid. And uh, was wondering, do you want to join us? Yeah, sure. 
So the next morning I was there. I did not even finish the job that I was doing in a bathroom. Uh, it was like an old woman. I was doing the big, big bathroom with the shower and everything. Did not finish it. Like, so the next day I was on the ice starting my journey in, in hockey. And like the funniest thing, and that's what I like to say, the first year that I've worked at the school doing hockey, my pay for the whole year was the same amount as I was doing for one week in construction. So that was, and like still now, I don't really know what happened that day, but like after 15 or I should say 14 years now, I know that was probably the best decision of my life. Even if the first couple of years I was struggling with, with the money, because like you're, you're having a full-time job, making money to not making a lot of money and working even more. So that's, so this is me like. Played soccer when I was young, played multi-sports and uh, just got involved from like nowhere in hockey as a coach. And uh, from there, like I never looked back and just get into it and try my best every day. Yeah, that's amazing. And the experience uh, of going through that aha moment where, you know, maybe you're, you're doing something else. A lot of people say it's maybe a different kind of degree for you. It was construction and then getting back into the game and realizing that's what you want to do. Um, it's a great moment to hear about and I'm sure many people agree that it's not always the easiest financially especially starting out um, you know that's a pretty big drop off from from your story but and thanks uh, to my wife <laughs> uh, yeah no for sure it definitely takes uh, some help and um, it's great to hear that the support system was there from day one but yeah uh, you know you got into coaching and you started going down that road early in your career you would coach with the Yamaska Avalanche and a few other teams as an assistant coach uh, talk about those early experiences and how they pursued you or helped you pursue a career in hockey down the road. So that's that's the funniest thing because even when I started a coach, like my dream, and it's still a dream, like any same as any hockey players, is like to be an NHL coach. Like if we if you don't reach for the best, like what's the purpose of it? Like I, I'm not I don't like being at one spot and not trying to be better, you know? So when I start, like I was coaching like 11 and 12 year old kids, uh, that was my first experience. And we had an amazing season and everything went well. Uh, so I've done two years there, moved to another place to be a head coach because we, I didn't have any opportunities. And down the road, I was involved with Hockey Quebec with the POE. So you 14, 15, 16. And uh, again, I was trying to do my best every single day, trying to mix a job here at night or uh, evening because we need money. Like we need to bring food on the table. Like I said, we, I'm the father of four. So no matter what, like the wife, she's amazing, but like, I cannot do a, I cannot take 40 hours a week for working for no money. So I was just trying to kind of mix and match here and there. And one day I got an offer to be with the, um, triple image in Magog. So the head coach there was Felix Podvin. That was his first year as the, uh, as the head coach. So again, we had an amazing year. I've learned so much from him. Uh, the bad thing I'll say is I only spend one year there. I wish I could spend more years because I've learned so much, but like, again, I had a bet, not a better opportunity, but I had a chance to be a head coach at uh, the minor midget level. So that's kind of what I was doing. And like, the biggest thing for me, I'm not a former pro, didn't like, didn't play the game or at that high level. So I will not say it's tougher or harder for me to get position in hockey, but like 
I don't have that experience. Um, so like I've done everything that I could to just be better and like be prepared. So I've coached at every single level, like Timbits, Adam, Peewee, Ben, Midget, Triple uh, A or Double A. Uh, like I said earlier, we didn't have Triple A back in the days, but like um, uh, Midget, Triple A, Minor Midget. Uh, I've went to school, so basically I got my ACD. Um, that it's advanced uh, coaching diploma. That was a two years course that I follow with uh, in Montreal. Uh, later on, I followed the high performance too uh, with Hockey Canada. So, you know, I might not play the game, but like I'm, I've done every courses or I just try to stay on top um, of everything. And like I said, went to Magog Triple A Midget. And after that, I had an opportunity to be a head coach minor midget. Uh, so that was, again, I was not from Magog, so I was driving back and forth every single day. That was probably a 40, 45 minutes drive. And after that, we moved our whole family up north. So probably, I think it was like two hours 30 from Quebec up north in Saguenay-Lac-Saint-Jean. I spent three years there. It was really three good years. Uh, the first year, uh, we lost in semifinal. That year, I had two players who've been drafted in the uh, in the NHL later on, so Rafael Harvey Pinar and uh, uh, Olivier Rodrigue, the, the goalie. So, you know, spent three years there before moving somewhere else. And like what I've learned every single year is like, it's crazy how coaches, we love coaching and how we need to adapt every single year because we have new players every single year. So I think working with different level ages uh, and working with different organization really helped me out to kind of just adapt a little bit quicker, you know? So that was, I think that for me, that was the biggest, the biggest thing. And like, I was always trying to mix like being an AC, being a head coach, or at least I can, I learn or I know the difference between how to be a good AC and how to be a good head coach or when I try to engage or hired uh, an AC. I know what I'm looking at, you know? So. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good way to do it. And I think it's, uh, you know, really beneficial to have those multiple experiences, like you said, at different levels and in different positions, because then when an opportunity does come, you're, you're more flexible and able to adapt to that position, given your experience. Uh, you talked about being a head coach at the minor midget level. Uh, just maybe touch on that role again and talk about specifically the task of dealing with players who are you know, worried about the draft and making decisions in their life and their hockey careers and, and things like that. That was, that was the toughest, the toughest one I'll say, because for us in Quebec, uh, the minor midget is not the same as um, everywhere else. I mean, for us, the best 15 year old, they're playing triple A midget. And, and I'm not saying like, if you're not good, you're not, you're playing with me, but like the triple A midget are taking the best 15 year old here in Quebec. So basically I had like the, the second tier of the players uh, and it's not because they were not good. Maybe sometimes the maturity was not there or whatever the reason. Uh, so the hardest part was uh, dealing with parents because most of the parents thought that their player should not play with me, but play at the higher level and they should be drafted and sometimes agent. So that was the biggest, biggest thing. But what it is crazy for me is like, kids did not see it that way most of them were like yeah i'm with you because i have to get better and we're gonna work on on it so next year i can have a really 
I can play triple a midget. And if I can be drafted this year, that's fine. But if not, I'm going to work even harder. So those three years was, was hard on that side. But I think the way I approach everything, uh, we had a lot of success on and off the ice with the draft, uh, with the Q draft. Because like earlier, I think the maximum get drafted in a year with our minor midget team was like two, I think, a year. And my first year I was there, I think we had five or something like that. Yeah. And after I think it's five, four, four, or five, four, five, something around that. And like we were having winning, we have winning season, medals, uh, championships and things like that. Uh, just because like I, I tried to sell like we're, we're not better than anyone. But like if we get better individually, we're going to be better as a team and we can go further together. Like scouts and Triple A Midget will come watching us because we're playing together and we're getting better. That's that's the only thing. Yes, winning and losing is something. But if we play good and we play the way that we should play, uh, we're going to have more wins than losses. So like they were all in the buy-in and like i said we had really good season uh, on and off the ice a lot of players got drafted and uh, that was yeah that was really good uh, on that and on my side like that was the first three years that I, I came to an organization that kind of need help to build something because i was up north and they re didn't really have anything before settle it so have to create like season plan and bring technical stuff and video and everything so those three years was i've learned so much from from that yeah definitely i think uh, a lot of coaches who have come on in the past have said uh, that year specifically is a very big learning curve and you learn to deal with players and parents and things like that and there's always different um, you know philosophies and ways to go about coaching at that level but I think when you're looking at the development of the players and that's your best interest and, and being cohesive as a team, um, you know, it, it's beneficial for everybody. And uh, with the, you know, draft results and things like that, it was uh, definitely beneficial for your team specifically. Um, around the same time, you would join Valdor as a scout. How did you land a scouting position uh, with Valdor? And then what did you learn during your time in that position? So for me, um, it's funny because like, I wanted to be involved in the queue here with whatever position available. So I had a friend who was working with Valdor and uh, I was like, maybe if I just start scouting, I'll, I'll get better as a coach because scouts doesn't look the game the same way, doesn't look at the players the same way. And like thinking ahead, like in a year or two or three years is different than right now as a coach. So if I could learn something from it, that will be awesome for me. So basically I asked my friend, hey, can you put me in touch with the GM or the head scout? I would love to maybe work for them or trying to help them or anything like that. So I think the next week I received a call from uh, the head scout that was Richard Liboiron. He's, uh, he's an old guy, he coached in the Maritime as well, back in the days. Uh, so he said, Mitch, I only have five minutes to talk, but uh, um, what can we say? So finally, he said five minutes to talk because he had something else. And we talked, I think, for two hours. And he said, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to that person later on. So uh, they I'll say they gave me a job, but I just started, like, for free doing games that I could. Um, and no matter what, I was always watching games because 
I wanted to know who was coming in early league the next season or I was playing against who kind of a pre-scouts and I love knowing the players. Um, so I started with the Q team doing scouts. So I was working with the minor midget and AAA midget, just watching games, giving reports um, for the first year. And after that, my opportunity with them just went a little bit bigger. So I had to do more games, more reports. I was at the draft table. I was part of the meetings throughout the year uh, or the season, I should say. So again, that was kind of a learning experience for me. And again, everything that I try to do in life or in hockey is related to, can I get better? Can I learn something? Can I change or share with people? So we and I getting better, you know? So again, those three years was unreal. I've learned so much. I've changed the way I was coaching a bit, just kind of some approach or things like that. But again, like I said, that was those three years was really good. Open up a lot of doors, more communication with coaches and other players. Uh, and I was able to see the game in a different way. Yeah. And I think that really is beneficial. Like you said, with, with coaching different positions early on and a scouting uh, perspective is, is definitely different than coaching. And uh, I've been able to do a little bit of both and it, it definitely changes uh, your overall perspective and the way you go about development and all these different things. So uh, it was interesting hearing about the the situation in Valdor and, and how you made your way there, but um, you know, good connection and uh, definitely was a, a very good conversation at first. If a five minute turns into a two hour, that's always a good sign. Yeah. Um, the yeah. next position I want to move into is your time with the Dauphin Kings and your experience as a coach slash manager. Uh, maybe before we move into some other positions, just briefly talk about that role and um, you know, your experience uh, in that position. That's, that's a crazy story. So basically I was uh, for three years, minor midget. And since year one, me and my wife, we, we, we talk about moving out West because my dream as a kid was to play in the WHL, even if it could not. And since I started coaching, I always have that little thing with the WHL. And to be honest with you, don't ask me why it is what it is. Like I always have that little, I want to, I want to see the WHL. We've, we've heard so much about it. I want to be involved with them. So for the first year, I had some uh, great chat with junior A team out West. Uh, that was just not the right fit. Same thing the second year, had some chat, got some offers. That was missing something or like didn't feel uh, perfectly or the right fit. And in third year, I got uh, an offer from the Dolphin King. Mark Berry was a head coach and GM at that time. He's still a really close friend of mine. Like we, we, I spoke with him on the phone like two days ago. So we're really, really good friends now. And so I accept the job. But the thing is, back in the days, my wife was pregnant. So what are we going to do? We already have three daughters. Our son is coming. We, I'm, I'll accept a job in Manitoba. Uh, do you stay here? Do you come with me? What, what's the plan? So for me, I always said, you have to follow me. I don't see myself uh, going somewhere without the whole family. And that was part of our deal. Like, I'm not going to accept a job if you're not following me. Like, it's impossible. So basically, my son is born on August 3rd, and we left on August 10th. And I start working on August 15th. 
And, but here's the thing before moving. So here in Quebec, we, we rent a house on July 1st. You cannot be inside the house anymore. So what are we going to do? Where are we going to live? My wife, she's pregnant. So are we moving right away in, in Winnipeg or not? What if halfway through she gives birth? Like there was so many questions. So we came back in, in Bromont where her family is. And we had an amazing idea. Let's just buy a motorhome. Why not? Like we always thought about it, but let's do it. So we bought a 36-footer uh, National Dolphin uh, motorhome. I think it was a 2000, if I'm right. So we bought that, never been inside. Uh, that's my dad who went to see it because it was like at six hours road from, from us. So my dad showed me some pictures and my dad like had motorhome his whole life. So he said, yeah, looks fine. Do you want it? Yes. So we do a transfer. We bought it. So the first time I drove the, the motorhome was when I picked it up in the parking lot from the guy who was selling it. So try to figure it out how motorhome worked, thanks to daddy, because he showed me everything, but like literally everything. I did not even know how to turn on the water on it. Like this is how big a deal it was. So, so my wife gave birth and my wife gave birth like two weeks later than the date that was supposed. So our plan was like, we're August 1st and we're still waiting. What we got, what the hell we've decided to do. So she gave birth August 3rd and I was like, I don't want to put any pressure, but I start working August 15th. What's the plan now? And she said, give me seven days and I'll be fine. Okay. So August 10 in the morning, we left motorhome with the, the car behind. Uh, we paid for uh, movers to move her stuff because that was just too much. So it, we, it took us, I think, four days and a half to travel because, again, we have a motorhome that I never drove before. We don't really know where we're going. We have three kids uh, that are okay by themselves, but we have a little baby, a newborn, and I have three cats inside the motorhome. So where are we going to stop? What are we going to do? How to empty everything? That was crazy. So many laughs. And we, we cry up some nights because we're like, what the heck are we doing? So yeah, four days and a half, we moved to Dauphin. Again, we were renting a house there. Uh, Mark was unreal. He said, look, you're, you're supposed to start working on a 15, but like you can take a week and just come at the office when, when you'll be ready. So, so that's kind of our story moving from here. Um, to there now with Dolphin like I started the season as the assistant coach um, we the chemistry between me and and the head coach GM was unreal like from the start uh, but we made a big big mistake or two mistakes I should say we were really too young and too immature I think when we midway through the season we were like the fifth youngest team in the country for junior A team. So that really didn't help us. And we didn't have a number one or a number two goalie. So that doesn't help, no. like not even a number two. So if you look at the stats on elite prospect, I think we had nine goalie that season. Just to show you how we struggle until we find one that really helped us. But by the meantime, uh, the uh, organization decided to uh, let it go, the head coach and GM. That was probably the toughest part for me because he was such a close friend and a mentor and everything. So didn't help. So they were looking for a head coach and GM. And I was like, hey, guys, 
you know that I'm here. I know everything. We're like two weeks before the tread deadline. Um, I, I'm, I can't do it. Like, and Mark was such a great guy because I was doing all the papers like trade wise and uh, scouts and everything because he knew that I wanted to be head coach and GM one day. So he said, I'm going to prepare you. So he teach me everything. So basically they open the job to everyone. I don't know how many coaches applied. I know that some great coaches applied. And by the meantime, I was taking over the team as an interim coach, but I was solo. Didn't have any AC, didn't have anything. So I was running the practice alone um, and games. I was asking some of our scouts to be with me behind the bench because I didn't have anyone. And so they gave me the job because we start winning. So basically, I think we had like four wins in the first 20 something games. And at my first six games, I think, or seven, we had four wins. Um, so they were like, okay, that's cool. And players start talking with the organization saying, no, we want Mitch. We, we want Mitch to stay. So I got the job, but here's the thing. So I got the job. I need to hire the AC. But because we were like after December 10 or whatever, I could not hire uh, coaches that doesn't have like their paper or the uh, security thing or health and whatever. I don't remember the name exactly. So like had to sort it out all the name and asking, do you have that card? No, nope. sorry, bud. Next year, maybe. So like that was a pain in the, in the butt. Uh, but down the road, I found a guy that was okay. Um, we didn't have a really good relationship uh, for whatever the reason. So, so yeah, so I took over, made an, a huge trade. I trade a uh, Reese Gaber who was committed to Western Michigan. Um, like it was one of the best player because he asked it to, to be traded. And uh, at the same time, they offered me a two-year contract plus one year optional to be a head coach. And I've just declined it because, like I said before, I don't want to go in details in, in that, but I just didn't feel the right fit for a lot of reason. And people uh, above me didn't, uh, they were not good people with me, I should say, or they we didn't have the same vision. So I've declined an offer. And the thing is every, every junior team, like you have two trade deadline, the first one before uh, January and the first one after January. So after, for the second uh, trade deadline, uh, they just asking me to sell the whole team. So everyone who had like values, just try to trade him, try to build for next year, try to grab some uh, city guy, from our town, so some some hometown kid that even if they're not in the lineup, at least we're gonna say we have a lot of kids from Dolphin. Probably the biggest mistake ever. Like you, you, you want the best players. You don't want people that are whatever the reason. So we stopped, obviously we stopped uh, winning. So we, we went on that losing side. And uh, by the end of the year, like, like I said, I've declined the offer already uh, before that season. They asking me if I, reconsider uh, what we talk about. And I said, no, I'm just moving on. I'm gonna try to figure it out something else. But like as a coach and GM, I've learned so much on the good way and in the bad way. But again, I just take that year uh, on a positive not be note because I'm a way better coach. I'm a way better manager. Now I know what you need to have to the next level and how to manage because like 
the talk with the kid when you're a coach it's way different than when you talk as a gm and like we had some tough moment in in my office when i trade a guy that i really liked it and he didn't want to go somewhere else but like that's part of the game for whatever reason we have to trade you so like that was heartbroken at at some point but uh so yeah so that that's a story me and my wife um in the uh moving from quebec to 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 manitoba that was just that was crazy from the start like really crazy yeah that's definitely one of the uh the more interesting stories we've heard on the podcast and i always make note of those extremely interesting uh experiences but uh you know still willing to take the opportunity to go there is uh is not easy and uh, you made the best of it and while uh you know there was some success there and you're able to gain more experience uh in the end you know for for various reasons uh, you decided to move on and uh later on you would make your transition to the WHL uh talk about that move and you know the initial excitement and then uh what you learned during your time in that league so yeah another crazy story is basically again we we were renting a house in Dauphin and that's one thing I forgot is when I got the job, uh, we need to find a house over there. So basically, I just bought tickets, uh, thanks to Eve Archambault, who helped me buying tickets because of the air miles. So my flight ticket cost like 75% less. So I flew in, uh, and that was the uh, Dauphin, uh, what's the name? Dauphin Fest or whatever. Like, it's a big, big country festival over there. So I went there that weekend, rent a house, signed the contract, uh, do a tour of the of the city and flew back like two days later so again that was crazy but like like i said we our time was done in, in dauphin and to be honest with you i did not know what i wanted to do like because we had a tough season and everything with the wife the kids and everything i was like what we're going to do where are we going to go at least we still had that uh, we still have the uh, motorhome so we could live inside so mid-june our kids was in school over there and by the way like her kids didn't speak english at all did not even know a word at all and i can say right now that three years later they're way better than me and they're bare they they struggle talking and writing in french at the moment and they're 12 and 10 year old so that's crazy so throughout that first summer uh we didn't have any house anymore because like i said we were renting the house so we need to find a place to live Oh, we have a motorhome. So we were in a campground in Dauphin. I was uh, driving the kids back and forth in the morning and uh, uh, afternoon at school. And we were leaving on a campground with the beach and everything inside our motorhome. So that was that was pretty cool. Uh, so summer uh, school came uh, came to an end. We sent our two oldest daughter to Quebec with her family um uh, because they wanted to see it and that was the plan to come back every summer but now we have a find we have to find a new job and a new uh, house so we travel we went to Banff uh me my wife and the two youngest one that was amazing drum healer and everything and after that we settled down in Brandon for a good month and a half uh in a campground and I was having interviews with junior a and bc junior a um ag so, and one day I received a call from Ring Hockey Academy and they offered me a job and I was like, it's almost a dream come true. Yeah, it's, it's minor hockey, but like, and I, we can talk about Ring Hockey Academy later on. So 
And from there, like two years after, I did not know about her ownership, but the uh, Kootenai guys, who's now the Winnipeg guys, and who's now they've split, so they were not under Rink Hockey Academy or the Rink, I should say. And one day, I've heard that uh, they were looking for a video coach. And I was like, geez, I want to apply. Like, that's, it's a dream come true. I might have a chance to be a video guy with a WHL. It's not behind the bench, but it's still in the WHL. That's that's a dream come true. So like their skills coach talked to the coach about me, their goalie guy, same thing. Like the next day I received a call from James Patrick and he said, Hey Mitch, can do you want to come to my office, please? I'm, I want to chat with you. Yeah, sure. So it's nervous, like multiply a hundred millions. Like I never, I don't remember being that nervous in, in my life. Like even when I proposed my wife, like that was just crazy. So I went there and I say, Hey, we've heard that you're good with video and we're looking for a video coach. I can do most of our games. And if not like home games and you want to give a try, like, yeah, sure. So they're using sports code with uh, the MacBook. So I just, so James start showing me what I can do. And I just took the MacBook and just do it my way. And it was like, Oh, okay. You're, you're, you're a video coach. You, you know what to do. So I just started right from there. I've done the, the first game, the home opener, the home opener. Uh, like I said, with the new Winnipeg guys, that was previously the Kootenai guys. And that, like working with that coaching staff and no disrespect to any coaches that I've worked with, that's not a purpose of it, but that was just unreal. I've learned so much. The three of them play in the NHL, coach in the NHL, one in the NHL, uh, coach everywhere. So their knowledge was like beyond and above. But the biggest thing for me was like, I was not like just a video guy. You know, I show up before the game and sat down there and just wait and just give the game. No, no. They were talking with me about uh, their game plan and uh, the way they were doing it and even asking me questions. Like, hey, Mitch, uh, if we're playing there, how you play against that? So, you know, they, they really get me involved with them. And that was like, I was living a dream, basically. Like, even if I was not behind the bench, being surrounded by those guys, that was, uh, that was, that was really cool. Yeah. It's uh, anytime you can and jump into a situation, uh, you know, at, at a level like the WHL and uh, to even have the experience of those coaches and NHL experience, like it's invaluable at times. And, uh, you know, while you're not an NHL yourself, you almost feel like you're getting that NHL level education just from those interactions. So uh, good on you for also jumping at that opportunity. And uh, video coaching is definitely uh, a different beast in itself. Uh, a yeah. lot of people struggle with it, but I've tried it a little bit. Um, you know, I'm still learning, but it definitely is does have a learning curve at first. So, uh, you know, it speaks to your abilities too to be able to jump in there and kind of run with it. Uh, you know, we'll backtrack here a little bit and talk about Rink Hockey Academy. Um, you said you enjoyed your time there. Maybe just talk a little bit more about the program and your experience uh, in that role. It's, I was lucky. Like, I was lucky to be part of it. I was lucky to move from the old facility to the new one. Uh, like, their A1++ organization facility, like, the first year we were like almost in the old garage with the small rink. And the year after we moved to our new building uh, that was like $21 million with three rinks, like a full NHL size rink with a half uh, on one side and the other side, we have like half 
sheet of for the skills and half sheet for the goalies. And we have our own office. We have like a, a million dollar, I don't know how much, but like a million dollar gym uh, upstairs. We have doctors working with us, like unreal. Like I don't know any CHL team who has the same thing. Don't know any East Coast League and I'm not sure about the American Hockey League. That this is just crazy. So like, like I said, I was more than lucky to be part of it. And again, I've learned so much there because like we're coaching, that's fine. But I should say the way they're making their money, it's not with their teams. It's not with the Ring Hockey Academy. It's about the players development and the goalie development. So they're running every day. I'll not, it's not 24 hours a day, but like from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. skill sessions, goalie session on the three X. So, and we had like full-time skills coaches, full-time goalie coaches, that's their job. They're not coaching a team, they're doing skills. So for me, I was like, okay, I have an opportunity to be here with skills coaches that are working with the pro guys throughout the summer that are working with us throughout the winter. So how can I get better? So I just start working with them as well and asking questions and being on the ice with them and learning from them. So again, I was thinking about how can I get better or what can I learn? So I was out there with them learning, watching. And again, like the way I see a game, the way I break down the practice and the drills is different now because I try to bring a little bit of the wording that we they're using in skills, you know? So again, I've, I spent two years there. We had two amazing year. Uh, the first one we lost in the semifinal uh, in shootout. Uh, playoffs should never be ended in, in shootout, but th this is what it is. Uh, so we lost against the team that that won that year. Uh, and last year we were on fire. Uh, we were in the playoff, undefeated, best power play, best PK, most goals for, less goal against. Like we were running. Like to be, we will never know because of that virus. But like, you know, when you have that feeling that no one can beat you because like her peak was right there. Like we were playing our best hockey ever throughout the season. So again, that was an amazing two years there. And one thing that was good for me too, is I had a chance to talk with a lot of WHL team, obviously, because I was with uh, the Winnipeg guys, but we had a lot of players that had some interest with the NCAA. So I was, I took charge of my team and talking with NCAA. So I was, and I was, I'll say I was good that teams were flying the same day to watch one game and flew out the same day just to watch one player. Like I remember Penn State, uh, I was in touch with them way before, but I was talking about Damon Garner and I say, that guy is a real deal. And I'm not that kind of coach to try to sell the whole team or every players, but that guy, like he was named MVP of the, of the year and like he got drafted in the USHL. And right now I think, 15 teams want him but as i say to penn state look that guy is a real deal if you have a chance i can show you video or anything you say oh you were in edmonton this weekend i say yes i might come okay fine so we were playing friday morning i think it was like 10 or 11 a.m and they flew in thursday night i think they arrive at like 11 p.m they watched the game on friday and right after the game, shake my hand and say, thank you. 
we're going to be in touch for sure. And he was taking his plane like two hours right after because they were playing that weekend. So like, so again, that was good for me because it's all about connection. Who do you know? And I was able to talk with some NCAA coaches and again, all about learning and how, how can I get better? Yeah. Again, following the, uh, the progression in your career and learning new things. And uh, I always love those experiences that are, you know, a little bit different. Everybody thinks of, you know, you go to junior hockey, that's the route to NHL. And oftentimes it is, but these academies and, and different programs still allow you to have those connections. Like you said, talking with people in Penn state and, and these different interactions and who knows down the road, uh, you know, maybe you'll run into each other and, and things work out that way. But for you, a couple of roles came after the WHL and, and you're currently in them now. Uh, let's start with Concordia. Maybe just talk about uh, how you got your foot in the door there. And, uh, you know, things have been a little bit different there with COVID and everything like that. But maybe just talk about the excitement uh, with that team and, and kind of your, uh, you know, your position and what you have to do. So again, I think it's another crazy story. I was still under contract with uh, the Winnipeg guys in the uh, Rink Hockey Academy and the COVID hit us and the plan was like still be in Winnipeg and work there and spending the whole life there. And I knew by that time that the Rink Hockey Academy bought the uh, POE in Kelowna. So now we have two Rink Hockey Academy. And one day my wife uh, say, Mitch, I, want, I need to talk. And I was like, what's going on? And I say, I can't anymore. I was like, what do you mean? I can't stay here anymore. I need my family. I need my friends. I need everything. Because again, like when we left Quebec, she just left everything behind, like friends, family and everything just to kind of pursue my dream, basically. And I was like, oh, geez, like I knew it that will come one day, but like I didn't see it coming like right now. And she was like, look, you, you are in your dream right now. You're working at the rink. You're working with the Winnipeg guys. I do not want you to leave that. So me and the kids, we're going to go back in, in our hometown and we're going to figure it out a way so we can see each other the whole summer. You're going to come see us weekends. We're going to come see you. But I do not want you to leave uh, Winnipeg because we worked so hard the last 10, 15 years that you're there and I want you to make it the most of it. So it was like, no, 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 no. You make your decision, I'm going to make mine. So it took me a good two weeks to think about it. That was probably the hardest, toughest decision ever. Like you, you work so hard to get there. And like the next day you have a decision to make, should I follow my dream, stay here or follow my family? Who's everything in my life. So probably made 25 phone calls, called some NHL coaches, junior coaches, Team Canada coaches, friends. And I was like, I was telling them the story, what you will do. And to be honest with you, Ryan, I was hoping that only one, only needed one person who said, no, stay there. Like, stay there and you'll, you'll be fine. No. The 25 people that I talked just said, no, family first. And they're good things going to happen, but you have to follow them. And I was like, God damn it, they're right. Like, and I always said, like, I will never leave without you. And now I'm, I'm ready to leave them. I was like, nah. So basically came back one day with my wife back home and my, my son made change my mind. Like he was on me for like four hours, didn't move. He was hugging me, kissing me, saying, I love you, daddy. And I was like, okay, that's, this is it. Like wife, I'm leaving with you. And she was like, oh no, you, you, you can't. I was like, no, no, yes, I am. 
unless you're telling me you're with somebody else over there, but I'm following you. That's my decision. And she started crying because she, she was like, I don't want to be that girl who just shut down your dream. And I was like, no, 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 no. I made my decision and this is it. So from there for me, that was the last time I ever been involved in hockey. That was the mindset I had because I did not want to go back in Quebec coaching minor hockey again, like with all the opportunities and experience I just I was ready for something else. So down the road, we were, I was still working with Rink. Uh, and I made a call. I was calling friends in Quebec and say, hey, if you look, we're moving back. Don't tell anyone. But if you heard about anything, let me know. And the head coach in Concordia, I've coached against, I coach against, sorry, in, uh, when I was triple in Midget and Magog. So since then, we were in touch, like not weekly, but like once in a while, we were always talking. And he even sent some CCM stuff to Winnipeg so our players could try it because he's working with CCM as well. And I say, hey, look, Mark, if you heard anything, let me know. I'm coming back in, in province and I'm looking for something. I did not ask him to find me a job with him because he already had two AC. And he said, okay, I'll take a look. Two weeks later, he called me back, say, hey, Mitch, I totally understand if you say no, I might not have the biggest thing for you, but I might have an opportunity for you to come help our coaching staff here uh, for the next season. I was like, working at a youth sport with you? Yeah, for sure. Like tomorrow if you want. So that this is how I got, I'll say, the job. Now we're not working, but uh, so this is how everything went uh, went down the road. And the funniest thing is like, COVID, we're in Winnipeg, we're moving back to uh, Quebec, close to Montreal, and we're like, we need to find somewhere to live, and we need to do, we need to find schools, and we need, so that was another crazy story, so basically, we bought the house without looking at the house, so our parents, our parents on my wife's side, they were doing our FaceTime, so we were like, oh, we love that house, can you go take a look. Yes. So they were taking their iPhone and doing FaceTime and they were flipping uh, upside down or back and forth. And here's the bedroom, here's the kitchen and like, but, and the funniest thing is like all the houses had basement. We never saw one basement. Why? No signal in the basement. So that was always freezing. So they were like going down the stairs with their FaceTime and it was like, Okay, nothing for the next five minutes. So me and my wife would just start laughing. And five minutes later, they were like, so do you like the basement? Oh, yeah. Amazing. Unreal. So again, we bought a house like over Facebook, FaceTime, basically. So that was that, that was another crazy story. And after that, like when we, we moved back here, my, that was important for me. Like the wife and the kids, they were not traveling with me. Take the airplane, three hours, you're there. Thank you. Good night. Um, and for me, my my dad came with me, so we drove back here. It was a good uh, two days. Um, the second day, I drove for twenty hours. Yeah, that was. Uh, we left at six a.m. and we arrived at our house at four a.m. So I was just, yeah, no, we're not staying anywhere. I'm just gonna drive like this is it, we're gonna go one shot. And so again, that was crazy. We had that uh, big truck, you old truck with the with the uh, the car behind, or I should say the town and country, the van. So, so yeah, and now I start working with Concordia, but because of the, the, the COVID and the virus, we didn't really had a chance to go on the ice. And like last week or two weeks ago, they canceled our season. So now we're kind of, uh, what can we do? 
because our players still want to play. So we're we're having meetings every single day trying to figure out a way that players can still play. Yeah, it, it's tough. It really is at any level. But um, I was interested in hearing kind of how uh, the change came back to uh, to working with Concordia. And, uh, you know, family is always something that needs to be uh, the priority, I think. And, um, you know, you're yeah. able to get to the WHL, which you had always dreamed of. But, uh, you know, hockey isn't everything, as they say. So uh, to be able to, you know, pack up and, and follow your family and then be rewarded with a position like that. It, uh, you know, it's, it's a good story all around. Uh, yeah. But that's not the only position that came up. Another one came up in the KHL with Torpedo. Uh, talk about how, you know, you, you found yourself in that, in that role and, uh, you know, they've been playing and, and things like that. So how has the experience been thus far? Uh, I'll say different. And I, again, I think it's probably the fifth or sixth time I'm going to say that, but that's another crazy story. Like, they're always saying good things happen to good people or hockey is fair or life is fair. And I, I'm not a big believer in that, but like, I don't know. I think I just made the right decision following the family and following everyone and coming back to Quebec. So I started, like I said earlier in that podcast, like uh, most of you know me because of the uh, social media on Twitter and everything. So we're back in January, February, and a, a Russian guy just started following me on Twitter. So he say, hey, Mitch, I love what you're doing. I would love to exchange with you and blah, blah, blah. So that's fine. I start talking with them. And like it was not working for any teams. And one day he sent me a message saying, hey, Mitch, I got the job in the, in the KHL with Torpedo. I'm going to be the head coach, uh, the, 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 the GM. Sorry. I was like, wow, that's amazing for you. Like, congrats. And like, we all know the KHL, but like, we don't think about it or we don't talk about it or like, no one dreamed to be like in the KHL, even if it's great, great league. Uh, so it stays like that. So I came back here and we were like two weeks before uh, the opening season in KHL. And he called me and say, hey, Mitch, we're looking for a video coach. Do, do, do you want to apply? I was like, uh, what? Say, yeah, we're looking for a video coach. We have a video coach here, but we do not like him. He's like, he's an office guy that just helping out with, uh, with the video. So do you want to apply? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Like, yeah. So I say, okay, good. We're going to give you a game, break it down and just do a pre-scout and talk about it. So I was like, okay, fine. So he sent me the game and he said, we won that team. But the problem is they're, they're not English. So the writing and everything is in Russian. And like my Russian is not good, like doesn't exist. So I had to Google the name of the team, try to find jerseys and try to figure it out who I need to do, like which team I have to do. Would you imagine you apply for a job, you got an interview, you have to break down a team, but you break down the opponent, how dumb you are. Like, so it took me a good 15, 20 minutes to Google it and try to figure it out if it was the yellow or green team, break it down. And I've sent like two versions, the one with, only the video and the one that I breaking down if I was the head coach with, you know, arrows, circle and everything. A uh, couple of days later, the head, the GM said, Hey, did the Dave call you? Dave was the, uh, the head coach. I said, no, why? Ah, oh, be prepared. He's going to call you. Oh, okay. Well, like I didn't have any updates since a week. So for me, they probably picked somebody over there. That makes a lot of sense. So the head coach called me and say, hey, Mitch, 
I really enjoyed what you've done, both videos, like it's beyond and above what we're already doing here. And it was beyond and above anyone that apply. So we're playing tomorrow. I'm going to send you a game right now and uh, you have to do a pre-scout for tomorrow morning. Uh, hey, Dave, nice to meet you and uh, thank you. And yeah, sure, I'm going to gonna do that right away, you know. So that's that's how it started. And again, like it started that I was just doing kind of video here and there. And now I, try, I do as much as possible. Uh, I talk with the coach every single day. We talk about pre-scout, obviously, but game plan, practice, players, uh, when they're playing live. If I'm able to watch the game live, because like a 7.30 p.m. game over there, it's a 12.30 p.m. game here. So if I'm not working, I can do it. Uh, I'm kind of the eye in the sky. Um, so again, that's that's just crazy. It's unreal. And like the biggest thing for me is learning how they're playing hockey over there. Like we, we know the North America, dump and chase, physical, be in their face, pushing the pace and quick, quick, quick. Over there, it's different, but like it's not even close to be the same. There's no dump and chase. They rather bring it back and try to counterattack. It's more a chess game. Uh, there's not a lot of whistles. Like one of the stats that they love showing it is uh, uh, how they call that playing without a whistle or a stop or something like that. So sometimes they're five, six, seven minutes without a stop, without a whistle. Wow. Yeah, that's that's crazy. And like they're showing that every single period because and like sometimes they're in the offensive zone with the puck for a good minute and a half. No shots on goal, not even attempt because they're waiting for that opportunity, you know, because it's really like a chess game that they're waiting and try to counter or try to find a mystic or an error or, or a window that will open and we can get in. So that's. For me as a coach, again, that's the biggest thing to learn how they're playing because it's all about skills. It's all about puck possession and it's all about just being patient and waiting. Yeah, that's uh, that's an incredible, you know, turnaround for you. And the KHL, like you said, it's a it's a very good league. Uh, you know, elite players are playing in almost every team there. Uh, but in North America, you don't really think about it because it really is so far away. And, um, you know, opportunities can be tough to get in that league. But again, you're taking the opportunity and, and doing it remotely. And uh, maybe the time difference works for you. You're able to view games during the day and things like that. So it kind of works out, but uh, interesting. Yeah, I'm not working at night. Yeah, I'm not working at night. That's a good thing. And like the other thing too, is how their demon are involved. Like everywhere rushes, offensive zone. Like you can see a couple of times per every period, like they are not on the blue line anymore. Like high cycling, scissor play, uh, getting involved, it, it's crazy. Like if any coaches, if you have the chance to watch a couple of games, that might help you. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it definitely will. And uh, I, I like how you talked about uh, just how different it is. And I'm sure that alters your approach then to giving suggestions or, or the way that you're, the coaches are talking with the players and things like that. Uh, for you, having worked, you know, in, in with KHL and, uh, the minor midget level, some junior and soon new sports and things like that. How important do you think it is to one, understand the league that you play in and the style of play, and then as well, alter your approach to coaching, uh, you know, based on that league. It's if you don't know 
the league, like because we, we know some old coaches are are staying involved in the league for years or years, and even if they're not that great, but they know everything. You know, they know the coaches, the players, uh, every little tweak in that rink or whatever. So if you don't know the players, if you don't know the rink, that the, the league or anything, you you already start with a strike. You know, so by the meantime, so let's say you you, you get into a new team. And you don't know the players, you don't know the league, you don't even know the team. It's gonna take you a while to understand everything. So let's say, let's say two weeks. Okay, it's maybe more, it's maybe less, depending on how you deal with. But let's say two weeks. Well, you're already two weeks behind everything that you wanted to do. So you already start with a strike, and now you try to stay the the, the head above the water. So that's why you, you kind of have to do your homework before. And again, like back in the days, I had an interview with a Q team to be an AC, and that interview just crushed me so hard. Like I was young, and I was like, okay, I'm ready for the next step. I'm ready at the junior level, and I still talk with that GM now. And uh, I went to that meeting, and like, yeah, I'm ready. We just want everything, and I'm a good coach. And he sit down and say, hey, Mitch, so couple questions that's fine and he said uh, so you watched us last year what do you think of our game plan what do you think about a system and what do you think about our lineup uh i think you have a good team uh, I, I don't mind your lines up front and your pairing on the back is good um and your system is uh, is really good like i love how you're making passes and you're taking shot at the net so that was kind of my interview I did not like no one again no one prepared me before it so I did not know that was unknown for me going there and starting from there it was like oh geez for sure will not have it like for sure so again like because I did not know anything and that's what they're looking at like do you know the team why do you apply with us like are you just a guy who try to find something or you really want to put into it like knowledge and you want to get better and you want to bring that team better what can you give us from you so so again like you you have to do kind of a homework and getting no because again junior a is different from the whl whl is different from the q q different from the o american hockey league is different than the k and like it's you have to do your homework for sure yeah i think that's a, a really good point to make and i'm sure people have gone to that interview experience and maybe realize that oh i should have looked at this or uh you know maybe focused one in too much area but or one area in particular but uh it really is another experience for you to learn and i'm sure that you learned from that interview specifically and used it later down the road and um, a lot of times people won't understand that themselves until they're in that position but sometimes they'll have people uh talk to them or they'll hear about it in the public sphere uh you personally you do a lot of writing for the coach's site and you've had your own site and things like that and information sharing. Um, just talk about some of that work and your reason uh, for, you know, looking for that outlet to share information with other coaches. So for me, like for years, uh, friends, coaches told me, Mitch, you should upload your video online. Like you're, you're good at what you're doing. Even if I, I'd rather be behind a bench than a video coach. Let, let's be honest for me. I'd rather be behind a, the bench, even if I'm not doing anything behind the bench, like, I can fill up water. I'd rather be there than the video guy. But 
I'm good at what I'm doing because I've learned throughout the years. Like it's not I'm born doing video. No, I've learned on the fly. And because they need a video coach, they had no one. Okay, I want to be involved with them. So let's figure it out. Um, and like I started back in December, uh, uploading video online. And one day the coaches site and like every coaches know the coaches site website, like probably not probably it is the best one because with all the conference and everything. And it was like, I wish one day I could write for them, like, but who I am, you know, that little guy who just tried to his best every single day. So one day they retweet one of my video and they send me a private message and saying, Hey Mitch, we would like to talk with you. I was like, Oh geez, what I've done wrong. Like that, that was the first thought I had in my head and made a phone call and say, Mitch, we are looking for a guy just like you to break down video and try to create an article and write words and everything. I was like, okay, but you know, I'm French. Like I can talk English without making less mistakes, but like writing that's even in French, that's, I'm not a good guy, you know, writing and creating stories and everything that that's not my, that's not my thing. So I say, look, we, I can give a try. Like, I think you're going to really enjoy the video and the text. You might not like it. So we, might just do one. So finally I do one and thanks to a lot of guys and Caden uh, uh, Jarvis, who's the brother of Seth Jarvis, who was drafted in the first round. He's helping me writing articles. So basically I wrote down the article, sent it to him and he just, okay, you need to tweak this and this. So he's really helpful on that. So start writing articles. And again, the purpose behind that for me it was the same thing day one that I start uploading video is to help coaches because, and, and, you know, you know, better than me too, Ryan, like how many coaches are not just good with uh, video, yeah. like, because for whatever the reason, and it's not easy to learn and it's not easy to go through and it's such time consuming. So I was like, I wish I could help coaches like by just putting video, they can download my video, you know, things like that. So when coaches started asking me, Mitch, do you want to do articles? And I was like, yeah, because the platform just going to get better and I'm going to help coaches. So basically I'm not only helping coaches, I'm helping myself because let's say one of the latest article I've done was a power play from the Vancouver Canucks. I did not know how they played on power play. So I had to sit down at home and breaking down their power play. So I was breaking down the power play for the coach's side, but at the end of the day, I was learning how they were played as well. So I was able to take that video and expose it to all the coaches, but to bring it to myself and know how they do their entries or what that little tweak they're doing in, in the game or, or things like that. So again, the purpose was helping coaches. And I think so far it's been beyond and above. Yeah, no, I, I, I've seen your work and that's, again, one of the places where I, your name first came uh, up on my screen, but uh, I think anytime that you can share and, and work uh, in that kind of platform, it, it only helps, you know, obviously working with coaches, you're teaching coaches, but for you, you're learning yourself and you're getting their name out there. You know, who's to say the Vancouver Canucks aren't looking at that and, and asking you questions at some point about their power play. So uh, you never really know where those opportunities can come and I think it's a key thing to uh, share that information. And for me personally, that was one of the things I hope to do with the podcast, having people like yourself come on and, and talk about your careers and 
give little bits of information that maybe people won't uh, otherwise get and maybe they can use in their own uh, pursuit of, of careers in hockey and things like that. So one more opportunity I wanted to talk about that you've kind of started more recently is a group that is going to basically share ideas and, and drills and things like that. Uh, you know, you've had a, a pretty positive reaction on social media when you brought up the idea, but maybe just talk about uh, your vision for that and, and kind of how things are going thus far. Did I say it was a crazy story again? I'm not <laughs> sure. Uh, so basically, like I, I'm taking part uh, every single year with coaches in uh, kind of an email thing or with friends, like sharing drills, because we always try to find a new drill that going to change everything, even if down the road we're always doing the same 15, 20 drills. But anyway, so I was like, how can I do something like that? Like I have my own website, I have my things going on on Twitter how can I just get coaches involved and how can we help each other? So I had that great idea a couple of months ago. Let's, I can create my own group of sharing drills and I can upload them on my website. So I talk with coach them and I say, can we, can we try to do something and maybe uploading them on, on social media? Like if they want to, uh, if they want to subscribe to coach them, that's fine. But if not, that's, that's fine too. Like they will, everyone inside that group will have access to all the practice. And for me, that was important that it's not a picture that you take from your page. Like, you know, I'm going to kind of, we're going to find a way that we can have all of them on, on coach them and just share with everyone. So I talked with, uh, with Stefan over there and it's like having 20, 25 coaches, that will be good. You know, like 20, 25, we can upload one practice plan a week sharing with everyone. And, you know, we, one practice a week, it's good for 25 weeks. So that's a good start. So I say, okay, I'm going to ask people on Twitter, like who wants to maybe join and like, it's going to be easy to have 20, 25 on top, maybe 35. So post that on Friday morning, I think around 9am. And I think by noon, I had hundred something people who say, yes. I was like, oh, okay. No, 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 no. That's no. So by now, I think I have like over 250 coaches who said, yes, we want to get in. And even if the pool is done since last night, I still have plenty of messaging. Hey, Mitch, is that too late? Is that too late? I was like, so right now I have over 250 coaches who are willing to share. Maybe when I will start everything, we're going to have less, maybe more. Um, so now the biggest challenge for me is to try to find a way that we do it the right way because right now I have enough coaches that we can do a practice plan every single day but like after two weeks it's going to be boring and like we will have some drills that are just the same for five weeks and that's not the purpose of it so right now uh that's a good problem I guess like because people and coaches want to be involved and want to be taking part of that group so right now I'm trying to think about what what's the best way we can do or how everyone can get better you know because i do not want to do practice plan with only like six drills like you okay that drill that drill that drill and just do it because they ask it to do it so right now what i'm thinking of it is like breaking down parts of the game and building practice plan based on that you know so let's say for me uh, how do you work your goalie presence with your players like it's not a full drill, but how do you work that? Uh, how do you work a uh, counterattack? You know, like off 
off uh, a track back yet that you just create a turnover you know things like that how do you so that i think i'm going to build something that is going to be way more specific that just kind of a, a flow drill that we're making four passes and we take a shot you know or just working on skills or, or you know so that's that's where i'm at right now um again how can i deal that with over 200 coaches i still don't know it's still brand new but that took uh, that took uh, me by surprise uh, big time and but i'm glad that a lot of coaches are willing to share and willing to learn so i think i think a lot of good things going to come up from that uh, from that small idea that it's already beyond and above the expectation. Oh, for sure. I, th I think, uh, you know, the hockey community always gives back in that way. And um, especially with somewhat of a break for a lot of people, you know, it's just an even better opportunity to share those ideas. So uh, good on you for, you know, kind of putting it in motion. And uh, I'm sure that it, it will, uh, the details will iron out in time. But uh, until then, I'm excited to uh, wait on the sidelines and, and see how it turns out. Yeah, thank you. For you personally, some uh, resources that you like to look to uh, for information, you know, books, articles, what are some of your favorites uh, that over time you've used uh, to learn? I was looking for my books, but they're not here. I'm <laughs> I'm probably the worst guy who'd like, okay, that book, that looks unreal and 50% off, let's buy it. But I still have it here for like two years and it didn't even open up like anything. Um, um, the thing with reading is I got loss of sight, like lost track really easy with kids and we have cats and my wife. So it's easy to get disturbed for whatever the reason. Um, so it's hard for me, but like always try to uh, read every year. Like I finished this year, uh, you went in the locker room first. That was a game changer for me. Uh, like everything that talk about sports, but something not related to hockey, uh, not because I don't want to learn anything, but just because sometimes having new ideas or, or things like that. Like I said earlier, I follow the ACD, I have a diploma with the ACD and all the coaches inside was not in hockey. So I was talking with baseball, swimming, um, diving and uh, like whatever the sport. So I've learned so much. Um, so like books, everything that it's uh, psychology, uh, everything that is uh, like uh, inside the locker room or how you can manage people, like just people in life or how your brain think. That's that's the thing that I'm, I'm uh, I try to read as much. I'm, I'm a big uh, podcast guy, uh, like Master, uh, uh, Master Mystery. Uh, I don't remember, but anyway, like every week there, uh, it's with Michael Gervais. Uh, he's having a course with, uh, who's the, uh, what's his name? The head coach uh, in the NFL, um, Pete Carroll. Okay. So they're having a podcast together. They even have a course that I follow too. Uh, so they're sharing stories and they're meeting with people every single week. So like driving a lot, that's a good thing because you, you can you can learn to it. Uh, from it, I should say, and uh, like anything that, uh, uh, like I said, that is not related to hockey, I just love because you always can take something, uh, something from it. And obviously, like anything on Netflix or 
online that you can watch is is good too yeah when we get that question that's a common theme that people like to look outside of hockey and sometimes it's sport and sometimes it's you know something psychological or just dealing with people and, and management and being a leader there's so many different things and outside of books people love articles you know the coach's site as we said is one that a lot of people look for uh twitter again for people like yourself sharing and yeah. uh, sometimes it's just watching the game itself so so many different oh, fierce fierce conversation that's their that's the book that uh, they told us to read when I was in school. First conversation is kind of how different approach that you can have with people at least or or everything. And again, that was a game changer because sometimes we we try to talk with people and we try to go sideways because we're we're scared to to hurt him or like whatever. And they they kind of just go straight to the point on. Yeah, sometimes quicker and straight to the point. It's better than than nothing, and it's better than everything. And that that book really again changed perception on how I should talk with with my players, basically. Yeah, and anytime you can learn to uh, better approach a situation when talking with players specifically, I think that's one of the skills that a lot of people I'm I'm sure struggle with at times, and even when they do get comfortable with it, uh, you know, the demographics changing, and there's so many different uh, things that need to be considered. So another good uh, point to put in there. Uh, for you personally, you've had a lot of great people work with you uh, throughout your career, and you've had a couple different stops. Who are some of the mentors or people who helped you along the way? And then maybe just talk about some of the major lessons that you learned through those experiences and interactions. Oh, mentors have too much, to be honest. Like, I think everyone that I was involved with, they, they gave me something that I still use on, on, on a daily basis. But let's say, let, let's try to do a timeline here without breaking down what they've done, everything. But like uh, one guy, Renaud Lessard, is the, the guy who called me to be a coach. So obviously, like, he coached me younger. So it, it was a big part of me. Claude Gauthier was uh, another one who helped me down the road. But after that was like, Working here in Quebec, Yves Archambault, he's the one who helped me with uh, the ticket with the uh, the air miles. He's a guy who I talk every month, even when I was out west, he's helping me. Uh, he was the one who helped me out to get inside the ACD diploma with the high performance too. Uh, he's coached overseas, so he knows uh, he knows the hockey there. So that was, he was a big part of it. And uh, since I was in, in, I'll say out west, Mark Berry, who I've coached with, he's a, really a mentor. Like I said, I, I still talk with him. Mitch Kirkup was our head scout. Like that guy is an amazing knowledge guy. Like he probably watch a million game a year. And because of him, he really helped me out with the scouting and how to see players. Because the other thing too, like in Quebec, we're drafting 15 year old players. So like in two months, they can play for us junior out West. In a one year and two months, they can't play for us. Like, I don't even know how they watch players because they're one year younger. Uh, Dwayne, uh, his name is Chewy, Dwayne Golachuk. Uh, he's a well-known guy uh, out west. He's coached Team Canada woman at the Olympics. That guy really helped me out throughout the whole process of uh, getting with the Winnipeg guys, uh, getting in, going back here in, in Quebec, uh, like I still talk with him every every week. John Cara, uh, who was the uh, the skill guy, the main guy at the rink. Uh, like those guys are 
phenomenal guy that I, I still talk with them uh, weekly, even if I'm really far, that I've learned so much and they were always, always there for me. And I, obviously I was there for them. And I should say one thing that I've learned and I still fight with it every single day is like, because I did not play the game, I always taught myself, like, I don't have a chance or, you know, things like that. And I always try to, and that's who I am. Work ethic is my number one thing. Um, but like, I always work hard in the shadow. And sometimes like you don't, people doesn't see it. Like, even if you work harder, better, like people doesn't see it because you don't have that big name or whatever. And like Chewy told me one day, Mitch, the real people, they see it. If you work harder and you always work, even if you're in the shadow, they see it. That doesn't matter. Don't try to impress like people that not doesn't know that, but like, you know, at the higher level or people that are really involved, if you're doing the right thing, they will notice it. And like, that was a couple months before making my decision to go back in Quebec. And like, even, like I said, when I was leaving Manitoba, Winnipeg, I was like, okay, that's the end. That was a nice road, but everything has to come to an end. And like a month later, everything that I've done in the shadow, I, I got rewards. So I've worked at the U Sports, I've worked at the KHL. Uh, online, it's just, it's been crazy. Like I have so many private message a day that I need to hide somebody. To be honest, I, I will have to think about a way to answer everyone. And uh, so, yeah, that's like, just keep working, no matter you're working for who, just do your homework, work, even if it's in the shadow, just reward yourself. That's that's the biggest thing. Don't think about anybody else. Don't think about anything else. Just reward yourself. And you're, if you're more than happy with what you're doing, I think you're on the right path. Yeah, that's tremendous advice. And uh, you learned it through your mentors. And maybe for one more final piece of advice, we'll make it a little more specific. If uh, you could go back in time to yourself working in construction, or maybe someone who's in the same situation, you know, they're laying tiles in the bathroom. Uh, what's one piece of advice that you would give them hoping that they would succeed and, and work in hockey operations? Don't do it. No, I'm kidding. Uh, like that. And, and you know, it's funny because a lot of coaches or even video coaches, scouts are asking me where, what I should do, where I should start. And like one, one advice I'm always seeing, and it's good in life too, just start somewhere. That's the good thing. Sometimes we have a lot of opportunities, a lot of things to do, and we don't even know where to start doesn't matter. Pick something and just start it. Everything else will fall into the track and will just follow. So for me, if you want to be involved in hockey, if you can have a full-time job or at least like a winter job that you can find something throughout the summer, get there. Get there, learn, uh, do your homework, do your courses. But like doing your HP1 is good, but that's that's not enough because hockey evolve every single day every single month year so make sure you're following courses you're reading you're watching hockey like for me the best way to learn how to play hockey is watching games and like don't watch only in the montreal canadian first because they're not that great but still like watch games from at every level every age and you can learn from it but now the biggest thing is like it's not because the montreal canadian are doing that on the power play that your team is capable of doing the same thing. It's just kind of staying uh, up to date and just getting involved. So if you have an opportunity, if you can mix 
family, hockey, and your job. If you have a full-time job, that's fine. Uh, and just don't, don't jump any step. Just go step by step because most of the time, coaches that are stepping up or try to skip a step the year after or two years after they're coming back and they're even falling down. So just do your homework, work hard. If you can merge both, do it, but just start somewhere. Doesn't matter where, doesn't matter how, but just start somewhere and good things going to happen. Yeah, for sure. You put in the work and the dedicated hours and you make everything else work around it. Uh, the reward will come and who knows, maybe one day you'll be at the NHL level or, uh, you know, maybe a unique opportunity like the KHL. Mitch, I just want to thank you once again for taking some time to join me on the podcast and share some stories about your career to date. And, uh, you know, hopefully things are going well at the KHL and hopefully you sports are back soon. And I wish you all the best moving forward. Thanks to you, Ryan. All right. Take care. You too. I'd like to thank Mitch for joining me on the podcast and going into such detail on his hockey career and also his personal life. It was evident early in the conversation that he is very invested in his family life and managing that balance. So for teaching that very important lesson today, I'd like to thank him once again. If you would like to get in touch with Mitch to discuss his experiences, I encourage you to reach out to him directly or contact HockeyMindsPodcast at Outlook.com and I can help make that connection for you. Next on the podcast, I'll be joined by Chris Lazary, head coach of the Saginaw Spirit. An extremely hard worker who has made his way through the hockey system, Chris dives into a number of topics, including some dialogue on recent NHL draft pick Cole Perfetti, so tune into that episode this upcoming Wednesday. Once again, thank you everyone for supporting the podcast, and thank you for continuing to interact and share your ideas on Instagram, Twitter, and more. As always, stay safe, and all the best.